Hey class, Prop JC here today. Today we're gonna talk about creative destruction. Creative destruction, we, 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 we tapped a little bit into it last week with what we talked about on, 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 on the podcast. Obviously what we're doing is we're kind of taking the philosophy of management and leadership and culture of Coke Industries, Charles Coke, and we're kind of just dispelling this out. Uh, over the next few weeks and uh, maybe dispelling is not the right word there's a better word for that it's not dispelling where we're uh, uh, <laughs> there, there's a good word for this but I can't think about it we're dividing it out over the next few weeks and talking about this in this class where we talk about service right being of service to others it's so much deeper a class like this you would typically take it and they might talk about um, how do you personally live a life of service to others? Well, what I want to talk about is mutual benefit. And I want to talk about how do you serve the marketplace? Uh, and once you do that, the rewards from the marketplace will be um, more profit for you, uh, be a business that grows, a nonprofit organization that grows, that has greater impact, right? So it's it's not, I don't want to talk about service just as like, well, how do you serve? Well, we all get that. That's That's like a... That's like a Sunday school lesson, right? But I want to go deeper into that, right? How service is important for how you approach and how you see the marketplace. And so today we're going to talk about this idea of creative destruction. Charles Koch talks about it. He talks about one of his mentors, Joseph Schumpeter, a uh, great author, um, uh, talks about this idea of creative destruction. The ground is always moving underneath us, right? There's always change happening. So how do we how do we deal with this change? So what I want to talk about today, and then you might be saying creative destruction, that sounds like such a destructive word. What does it have to do with the life of service? What does it have to do with service, like a leadership service? Well, we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But let's dive in and talk about this term, cre creative destruction. And I just want you to think for a second, what does that mean to you when you hear this term? Okay. When you hear the words creative destruction, what do you think of? Because it seems like these are two words that should not go together, right? Creation, destruction, creation, destruction. But as we're going to talk about today, you'll see that they're actually two words that always go together and really should go together. So here we go. Before we can talk about this, let's talk about the law of entropy. Okay, the law of entropy. You've probably heard this before. If we define entropy, here's what it means. In physics... Entropy um, is a thermodynamic quantity representing the unavailability of a system's thermal energy for conversion into mechanical work, often interpreted as the degree of disorder or randomness in the system. The second law of thermodynamics says that entropy always increases with time. So what does this basically mean if we were to bring this down, right? Um, things are always dying right? Entropy is the, I guess we could call it the deadening of things, right? It's, you know, you know, so why, why do they tell you when you purchase a car, never, never buy a new car, right? Because the moment you drive it off the lot, its value decreases exponentially. So always buy a used car, even if you buy a car that's one years old or two years old or whatever, always buy a used car. That's kind of what they say. Uh, so, Car, a car is a great example of that. The moment you buy it, 
you're going to put miles on it. You're starting to put my wear and tear on the engine and on oil changes, all that kind of stuff. So it's going down right away, right? That the, the, the value of that car just continues to decrease over time. I say it's one of the few assets. It, it, it's not a, your cars are not what you should be spending your money on. But of course, American consumerism, right? Global consumerism is kind of where a lot of our priorities go. But you get what I'm saying. You buy a new home and the first few weeks are great, but then years begin take time and everything starts to take. That's entropy. Okay. As everything starts to take a toll, things begin to die, things begin to digress. That's entropy. It happens in our personal lives, it happens in our professional lives, it happens in organizations, it happens in businesses. It's 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 in um it's entropy. I need to make myself smaller here so we can see this. Um it it's a lack of order or predictability. It's a gradual decline into disorder. Okay. So anything new starts off new, starts off great, but it will always move. It, there will always be this gradual dis- you know, decline into something that is more disorderly, something that is no longer new. That's what entropy is. So the ultimate definition of entropy is this, right? It's gradual decline. Okay. So in- entropy, which is gradual decline, is always at work in a closed or isolated system. The process of entropy is accelerated. Okay, so we're going to talk about what that means here in a second, what it means to be in a closed or isolated system. But in a closed or isolated system, the process of, of entropy, which is gradual decline, it means it's accelerated. So let's look at what an isolated system is, a closed system is, and an open system. Okay, now these are my drawings here. I'm doing the best I can. These these aren't the best drawings uh, that you'll probably ever see, but uh, uh, hey, you know, I'm not teaching art here, I'm trying to teach leadership. Okay, so here we go. An isolated system is a system. It could be a home. It could be a family system. It could be a team. It could be an organization, whatever it is, but it's completely isolated. And here's what that means. Nothing new is coming in. Nothing old is leaving. Nothing new is coming in. Nothing old is leaving. The best example I can give is if you think of of a person who might be a hoarder, right? Someone who struggles with hoarding. And I remember, I, I don't have any friends that do that now, but I remember as a, a kid, I, I grew up in a small town, went to a small church in a small town. We just had some weird people there, man. And my parents would go and visit these people and I'd have to go with them to visit. I remember one house we went into and it was just junk everywhere. This person was a hoarder. Like you had to make a path between all the stuff they had in their home. That was an isolated system. You know, the windows didn't open. The, I mean, just... I can I can still smell it to this day, just to be honest with you. It was not pretty at all. It was just a ah, it's not a good thing. The people were nice. My parents really liked them. And so we'd go over and visit them every now and then. But they lived in what we would call an isolated system. Okay. You've probably seen something like that before. That's an isolated. So that's the best example, the real life example I can give you about what an isolated system is. This right here is what we would call a closed system. Okay. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're kind of missing out on the on the uh on the uh, on the beautiful examples I have in front of me, but but you should be able to you know you should be able to understand what we're talking about just by listening. A closed system is you've got that circle there, you've got nothing that is leaving, but you have new things that are coming in. Right, this could be a hoarder as well, constantly bringing in new stuff, but they're never getting rid of old stuff. This is probably a lot of Americans right here. Okay, this is why homes get cluttered and and homes get you know. You've, they're clothes in closets that haven't been worn in one or two years, but you keep buying new stuff, right? 
Uh, it might be a home where you you open up the windows every now and then, new people come in, new new things come in, but nothing's exiting. That That's a closed system, okay? And now we're going to move all the way over to what we call, this is where we want to be, right? So when we think about an isolated system, so you got to go over there. The more isolated, the more closed off a system is, the faster the entropy happens. I mean, just think about that. Again, the examples I've given you, a closed off house with the windows don't open, doors don't open, and you're you know, you got nothing new coming in, nothing old going out, right? Everything that's been in there for years just sits there. It's all decaying and dying on the inside, okay? And maybe the example I just gave was not a, a good example of an isolated system. Probably a closed system is more of what they would bring new things in, but they would never let anything leave. So this is probably more the hoarder, right? The isolated system is whatever was there 50 years ago is still there today, Right. So you think about businesses that don't change. Right. I grew up in a small town. I, I can go home today. And there are businesses that have not changed. There's one business I can think of a cleaners. I actually used to work there when I was a kid. They have one staff member that is still there. I've been away from that hometown for like 20 years. That person's still there. They are an isolated system. They've changed very little about what they do. The sign still looks the same. It's in the same place. Everything in, in, the, in the building looks the same. That's an isolated system. Closed system, at least something new's coming in, but you're not getting rid of anything. Okay. So, so the law of entropy is going to really increase that isolated system, but it's also going to increase in the closed system because you only have new stuff coming in. You're not getting rid of the old stuff. Okay. Now we move to what we'll call, and let me get out of the way here, uh, what we'll call an open system. An open system, and this is, this is the direction we want to go to, an open system is where you have new things coming out and old things exiting. Almost this constant cycle of new coming out, old things, uh, new coming in, old things exiting, new things coming in, old things exiting, right? So again, think of a home. Think of a perfect home would be you're bringing in new things, new furniture every now and then. You're bringing in new new, uh, new kitchen utensils, whatever it is, new lamps, um, new, new dining room tables, new clothing, new carpeting, new house, right? Over time, all that's going to happen. That's an open system. You're bringing new stuff in. You're getting, but you, but you're getting rid of the old stuff. You have, you know, in my hometown, we had these things called garage sales. I think they they do them out here in Southern California too. Uh, I can't stand to go to those things either. Um, but you've got garage sales, or you're getting rid of stuff. You're sending it off to maybe a local charity or something like that. But you're bringing in new. You're getting rid of old. Bringing in new. Getting rid of old. This is what an open system is. There's going to be greater entropy when you have an isolated system and a closed system versus an open system. Why? Because you're constantly getting rid of stuff. So that's the home that I want to live in. Okay. Hold on. Give me one second here. I got to take this call. Okay. Where was I? Uh, we're looking at isolated, closed, open systems, isolated system, nothing new coming in, nothing old leaving, closed system. You've got new coming in, nothing leaving, open system. Entropy is going to happen much more in an isolated and closed system. Let's keep moving forward. With an open system, it's just a question to think about. What is the relevance, importance of decline, destruction, and death? With an open system, decline, destruction, and death are inevitable. Innovation is the intentional and purposeful acceleration of good entropy or creative destruction. That's what we're talking about today. Okay. Uh, the ground is always moving, always moving beneath our feet beneath our feet changes are always happening so instead of reacting to changes we need to be pushing those changes forward and almost creating changes okay 
so here's a slide I have here. The law of entropy is a mental model. So when we begin to think from the law of entropy, when something, anything is in a state of accelerated decline, you are witnessing a closed or isolated system. You must ask yourself what new information, people, experiences could be added to make this something, anything, an open system. The 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 goal is to create an open system. And how do we do that? It's through this thing that we're talking about here. It's this idea of creative destruction. Creative destruction is the dismantling of longstanding practices in order to make way for innovation and is seen as a driving force of capitalism. Came out of this, this gentleman here, Joseph Schumpeter. Okay. The term creative destruction was coined by Austrian economist, economist. Joseph Schumpeter in 1942, Schumpeter characterized creative destruction as innovations in the manufacturing process that increase productivity, describing it as the process of industrial mutation that incessantly revolutionizes the economic structure from within. Now watch this. Here's the key. Incessantly destroying the old one, incessantly creating the new one. Incessantly destroying the new one, incessantly creating the old one. Basically, the theory of creative destruction assumes that longstanding arrangements and assumptions must be destroyed to free up resources and energy to be deployed for innovation. To Schumpeter, economic development is the natural result of forces internal to the market and is, and is created by the opportunity to seek profit. Creative destruction theory treats economics as an organic and dynamic process, always moving, always changing. This stands in dark contrast with the static mathematical models of traditional Cambridge tradition economics. Equilibrium is no longer the end goal of market processes. Instead, many fluctuating dynamics are constantly reshaped or replaced by innovation and competition. As is implied by the word destruction, the process inevitably results in losers and winners, producers and workers committed to older technology will be left stranded, entrepreneurs and workers in new technologies, meanwhile, will inevitably create disequilibrium and highlight new profit opportunities. This slide is what scares a lot of people. Right. This idea that there have to be losers and winners. But in a in, in an environment where you have created destruction, that's kind of how it works. Right. And if you're stuck with old ways of thinking, old ways of technology, you're going to get left behind. But here's the re here's the reality. The world is always changing anyway. So be if the world is changing because the world is changing, instead of waiting for that to happen and getting left behind, shouldn't we always be thinking, how do we move forward and, and how do we constantly be thinking of how to serve the marketplace again, service? This idea of mission, how do we live on mission? How do we serve the marketplace better? So here are some examples of creative destruction, okay? Examples of creative destruction in history include Henry Ford's assembly line and how it revolutionized the, automo uh, the automobile manufacturing industry. Uh, however, it also displaced older markets and forced many laborers out of work. And people don't talk about that very much, but that was a new way of thinking. But what that did was it, I mean, it transformed how automobile, how automobiles and many other things are done in the United States. That assembly line was huge uh, in terms of, of innovation moving forward. But there were people who paid the price for it. I, I've got some pictures here. Here's some other ex examples of creative destruction, right? The Internet is perhaps the most all-encompassing example of creative destruction. Right now, most of you are watching this or listening to this because of the Internet, Okay. 
this class that you're taking is done through the internet. 30 years ago, this, this would have been less likely. I mean, they were doing correspondence courses going back, I mean, even 100 years, I think, right? But this idea of using the internet for this was was unheard of, that, that we could do this kind of stuff and have technology and be able to see things and watch videos and, and listen to things and interact right through here. This all created destruction, right? Uh, so it talks about the internet where the losers were not only retail clerks and their employers, but also bank tellers, secretaries, travel agents, the mobile internet added many more losers from taxicab drivers to map makers. That's probably not the best word to use, but from a business sense, these people did lose out because new things came in. Uber came in, right? And displaced a lot of taxicab drivers. Um, online banking came in. So we don't need the teller, right? I had to go in the bank the other day. I'm opening up a uh, a business account. And so I had to go to the bank the other day. I haven't been there and I don't know how long, right? And they've got one bank teller working because they don't need, you know, all six slots open because most people do their stuff online today. Travel agents. When's the last time you visited a travel agent when you're getting ready to go on your vacation? It's probably not going to happen, right? And even grocery store, right? The grocery stores don't move as you know, there's not as many people in the in the buildings because nowadays I can order things online and have it delivered straight to my front door. So you get the idea of creative destruction. I love this picture right here. If you're if if you're looking at this online, that uh, this right here is a picture of what I believe it's Super Bowl week when I'm recording this, and I believe that this was probably the greatest Super Bowl halftime performance of all time. I don't know why I put the picture up, but I just did. The winners beyond the obvious examples of programmers might be just as numerous. The entertainment industry was turned upside down by the internet, but its need for creative talent and product remains the same or greater. The internet destroyed many small businesses, but created many new ones online. Wow. I mean, this almost seems like it's kind of depressing, right? When we think about this idea of creative destruction. And there's probably some people on the call today saying, why are we talking about this in a class that's based on service and service to the marketplace? Well, here's my encouragement, okay? And then I want you to figure out why we're talking about this today. Um, the ground is always moving underneath our feet, consistently moving. If we are gonna serve the marketplace and serve it well, we have got to be at the forefront of what's happening in the marketplace. Too often, especially for small business, especially in the nonprofit sectors, constantly moving behind, constantly behind the times, constantly trying to play catch up, trying to play catch up. And I would submit to you today that if we're going to live a life of service, if we're going to lead with service, I'm talking organizational leading from a service perspective. If we're going to build great businesses, great nonprofits for the future, we have got to be on the forefront, which means we have to be implementing creative destruction. This is one of the greatest services we can do, which means constantly getting rid of the old and constantly bringing in the new. Now, that's, it doesn't have to mean people. It doesn't So if you're a boss and you're a manager, leader, that doesn't mean you go back into your workforce today and say, I'm firing half the workplace and we're hiring new people. That's not what I'm talking about here. Okay. Now you may need to do that. That that may have to happen. I hope it doesn't. But what it may say, or, or what it may mean, is an honest conversation with your people and saying, "Hey, we've got to upskill as as a as a company. We've got to get better. As a nonprofit company, we've got to figure out um, new ways to reach our community." Right. If if we've been serving the same community for fifty years and the community hasn't gotten better, uh, are we doing the right thing? 
right? You know, this is a whole nother conversation, nonprofits in some ways, you know, how do you judge the, you know, how do you judge the effectiveness of a nonprofit if the same nonprofit's been in the same community for 60 years, right? Now, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things we can say to that, right? But I would submit and say, well, are there things that we can do that are better maybe in that community to help people? Because a, a nonprofit in some ways, and I know this isn't for all of them, but in some ways probably should be working themselves out of a job or moving to a new community to start. So anyway, here's the question I'm going to ask you, and I want you to think about this from everything we just talked about. Why do you believe creative destruction is important for a life of service, for leadership uh, in service, for a business that's in service to the community? And you may disagree, and if you disagree, that's okay as well. But tell me why you disagree. Tell me why creative destruction is not good for a life of service. Uh, uh, but I want you to think about it and I want you to at least give it an option that it could be good for a life of service. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. I get really passionate about this. We could talk all day about it. I wish we were in person on a topic like this because this is a really important topic to talk about. Hope you guys have a great week. Uh, reach out if you need me. I'll see you soon.